0: Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jettican. Hi, Desi. Hi. Do you want to do Patreon? I do. We have have a Patreon that you can subscribe to. It's patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. We have ad-free episodes, bonus episodes. After show. After shows, movie recaps, and a link to our Discord channel, which I got to say, I'm loving the
1: Discord. It's very fun. And we're doing a little book club there now.
0: We're doing a book club and we just added a new channel on our Discord for a French cooking club. So there's lots going on. We're busy over there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bunch of busy bitches. And I love that. So... We had some people subscribe to our Patreon this week, and we're going to give them a shout out as we do. Allison, Megan, Jennifer, Sarah, Amanda, Emily, Sarah, Susan, Candace, Savannah, Jack, Jack Attack, <laughs> uh, Gerardo, Aaron, Lily, Barbie Dolly, marion dom james eileen emily tara joel tracy aaron laura diana francis madeline michelle meg sam and erica
1: thank you guys uh okay we're back for part two of dr phil hell yeah i we will discuss the dr phil shell on this episode and all the horrible things that ended up ensuing from that. My source again was the book, the making of Dr. Phil straight talk and true story of everyone's favorite therapist. This is a book by <laughs> Lisa Gutierrez and Sophia Dembling. I didn't, that's not my title. That's theirs. <laughs> Wait, it's called the straight talk and true story It's called the making of Dr. Phil straight talking True story of everyone's favorite therapist. Now my favorite therapist Uh, Yeah, and I'm not quite sure if that's their opinion or they're just saying he's popular. Well, as
0: we pointed out last week, he got popular for a reason. He appealed to a lot of people when he first came on the scene. Right. His his show, uh,
1: it was compelling. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about that today. There's a lot of articles I use, but I'm going to shout those out when I talk about what I got from them because there's too many to list up top. So where we left off, Dr. Phil has helped Oprah successfully defend herself against a group of ranchers who blamed her for a crash in meat futures after she did a show on mad cow disease, and he becomes her unofficial guru. She wants to uh, share him with the world and suggests he appear on her show, giving her audience the tough love treatment that he gave her throughout the trial ordeal. So as we remember, he was like, not sure about it. But then he's like, you're right. People do (laughs) need to see me, Dr. Phil, on their televisions. On April 10th, 1998, two years after meeting Dr. Phil, he appeared for the first time on the Oprah Winfrey show. In her introduction, she referred to him as one of the best psychologists she had ever met. And she's met a lot of psychologists. Yeah, she's Oprah. Yeah. And they've been on her show all of them. Right. <laughs> but his first appearance was to say the least confusing to her audience. Now on the show, he told one guest a woman who was raped at 13 became bulimic, attempted suicide and said she hated herself, that he didn't believe her when she said she wanted to stop wallowing in self pity and get on with her life. Wait, <laughs> wait. he didn't believe her when what? She said she wanted to stop wallowing in self-pity and get on with her life. And he said, no, you don't. He didn't believe her. Uh, Another woman came on. Her husband had left her after 25 years without explanation one day. And he said to her, you're responsible for teaching him how to treat you. Damn. This is very typical Phil McGraw style of therapy that he'll become famous for. The audience is livid after watching this the first time. (laughs) Yes. Cause they, this is not the nurturing Oprah Winfrey show that they've all grown accustomed to and love, but Oprah was not deterred uh, by this negative criticism she got for his first appearance for his next appearance. She introduced him by saying he did to this guest what he did to her. Like, she's like, I also took this straight talk that I didn't want to hear. He, uh, it might feel bad initially, but eventually, it's going to be good for you. He has a tell-it-like-it-is style that's going to pay off for you. People got on board at this point And they started wanting Dr. Phil to tell them like it was. Uh, he soon became a regular guest. And his appearances on these Tuesdays would boost the ratings of Oprah's show 20%. Wow. Just for those days. People also loved the sort of good cop, bad cop routine between the two. Oprah would often jump in to soften Phil's blows and she would even contradict him, especially on one show where he was critical of a woman who was upset that her husband hated her cats. <gasps> she said the cats were her children and he uh, did not, it didn't sway him at all. Now, Dr. Phil was about to lay in this woman and Oprah said to her, don't go there, Phil. Good for you. Cause Oprah. Oprah's a dog mom. So she, she gets it. she gets pet ownership. She doesn't have uh, children of her own, like, uh, but her dogs are her children. Right. And I think a lot of people, even when they have kids, right. they consider their, hum- uh, their pets, their other kids, he backed down and people would say only Oprah could contradict Phil and get away with it. Now, Phil extended his appearances to multi-part segments, including the Get Real Challenge, a 10-parter that took on 42 people who wanted to turn their life around. It was a huge success. And for the most part, the participants found the challenges effective, and they were able to make significant changes uh, in things that they were, you know, thought were holding them back in life. He was a celebrity now. He was even being parodied on SNL. Yeah. That's like a true sign. If you're parodying on SNL, that means people know who you are. Did Daryl Hammond play him? I, I meant to look it up, but I, I bet you like it was Daryl Hammond. I feel like that's a Daryl Hammond character. <laughs> because he was the impressionist in the early 2000s. Right? And late 90s. Yeah, the late 90s, early 2000s. And he has the, I think he has the right look. Yeah. He, he could pull it off. I think it was Daryl. Um, So Oprah was now encouraging him to write a book. She promised to endorse the book, which almost guaranteed that it would be a bestseller. Phil began writing his book, Life Strategies, and this is the book he introduces his 10 life laws. We discussed a few of those last week. Some people get it. Some people don't. It's stuff (laughs) like that. Uh, Despite less than great reviews, the book would go on to sell over 2 million copies. And that's just like the initial like hardcover, it sold like 10 million paperbacks and all of that kind of stuff. Part of his success was that he came out at the right time. People were trying sort of tiring of the touchy-feely inner child self-help stuff that had really been popular in the 90s. And Phil was like this antidote to that style. And people just found it very appealing. He was signed to write more books. He got like a huge book deal. um, And he was a publishing superstar. He had a deal that was worth millions of dollars to write just a few books. He even got a book deal for his son, Jay. Jay would write Dr. Phil-esque books aimed at teens, which were almost basically teen translations of Dr. Phil's books. Like there's no new ideas. He kind of just youthed it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the first book to come out of um, this new publishing deal was called self matters. This uh, sold millions. And then he turned his sights on the weight loss industry, re- releasing the ultimate weight loss solution. Okay. Something that was launched with a two hour dateline special. Oh, wait a minute. Is he a nutritionalist? Well, he claimed to have studied weight loss issues for 30 plus years, Rachel. Is that true? (laughs) That's what he claimed, but not professionally. He just studied it (laughs) on his own. He got some books. He watched people. Uh, He has no experience in this area, and that does not matter to the millions of people who bought his book. Dr. Phil's books even came up in a salacious trial that we covered on our Patreon. Really? Yes. Clara Harris, you might remember her. She was the 45 year old Houston dentist who ran over her cheating orthodontist husband in a hotel parking lot where she caught him with his mistress. In her defense, she said she described all the ways she tried to save their 10 mar- uh, year marriage, including cooking his favorite meals, sexual favors, and reading self help books. The defense entered two books into evidence to prove this, and one was McGraw's Relationship Rescue. Did we mention that in that episode? I don't think so, because maybe it wouldn't have been a big deal in all of your research for that. Yeah, yeah, For this, yeah. it's more funny. That was a crazy story, though. That's a crazy story, and obviously the book did not help because uh the relationship did not get better and she was convicted of his uh murder. So it came as no surprise to anyone when rumors started coming out that Oprah wanted to help Dr. Phil land his own daytime talk show. Now, Dr. Phil claims he initially thought, do I have enough to say for an hour every day, five days a week? Why give up his successful Oprah uh spots for his own show that might fail? But ultimately, he decided he was perfect for a daytime talk show. It was, in his words, the highest and best use of his gifts. Mm. Now, (laughs) I like when he always has his doubts and he talks himself out of it. No, you are great. (laughs) Yeah. In 2002, Harpo Studios, along with Paramount, announced they would be launching the Dr. Phil show. Now, after a run of test shows, the staff were pretty pleased. Now, these shows are filmed way in advance of uh, airing. So they start filling the, uh, filming these shows like before the show premieres. He's not pleased with these. Dr. Phil called the test shows a fucking train wreck. Robin is also not happy and begins meddling. Robin is his wife. She in particular hates the lighting And this causes a huge fight between her and the veteran lighting director, who at some point told her, lady, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. What was wrong with the lighting?
0: I don't know. Maybe she was like, give him more of a soft focus. (laughs) need a
1: soft focus. I need Vaseline on the lens. Yeah. Because Robin famously comes out at the end of every episode and they walk off the stage together. Right. That's like a thing. So she was... Probably on camera. She wanted that so soft Look, focus. I can I, I can I blame Robin? No, I but I would it. be nice about. It. That's why you're nice to the lighting people. Of course, you don't fight with them. No, you work with them. Yeah. Anyway, he got fired because you know you can't tell the boss's wife off. Uh, that's not going to work. Another meddler, son Jay. Now this is a kid who buys his own fucking dog shit. <laughs> like he he thinks he he's responsible for all of his success, but he basically is successful because his dad gave him everything. Yeah, his career is literally hand delivered to him from his father. Right, which is fine. Uh, just but, just admit that. Like yeah, he uh, at one point edited an interview so much so that uh, it manipulated the interview to that the teen in question who was in this interview threatened to sue. And then the interview just got scrapped and never aired because wow. they couldn't get it back. So they did the uh, Jay, his son did this interview. He edited the interview <gasps> to make this teen look like something. It wasn't or say like she was saying something she wasn't right. And she protested. Yeah. Uh, and they scanned it. Everyone on set did like the other son, Jordan. Okay. So he's pro- he's supposedly very quiet Uh, But he was like a kid too, but he wasn't like, you know, fucking Charlie and a chocolate factory kid, at least (laughs) (laughs) now everyone who worked on the show signed NDAs, but from the start, there were leaks about the set being a toxic environment and Dr. Phil was a large reason why. Employees would often leave the set in tears and Dr. Phil just chalked it up to him having high standards. He lives up to them and why can't everything, everyone else things got so bad at some point that Oprah actually flew to the set after hearing rumors that it was extremely troubled and her warmth reinvigorated the crew. And of course, Robin and Phil were on their best behavior around Oprah The crew wanted to beg her to stay, but she eventually obviously flew back to Chicago and the toxicity returned. The show premiered on September 16th, 2002. The topic families under stress, the ratings were over the top. It was number one in its time slot with a market share that hadn't been matched by a new syndicated daytime show since Oprah debuted and the success continued, uh, for Phil in other areas. Um, he, Started doing more seminars, but this time it would be thousands of people. Right? Uh, he had columns and various things, including O Magazine. He was definitely part of the upper echelon of daytime TV talent, like up there with Oprah and Judge Judy and Dr. Phil. Those were the three. Uh, he and his show were nominated for Emmys that year, but lost to The View and Wayne Brady. Remember when Wayne Brady, yes, (laughs) yes. Um, it's first year in syndication. The show made $52 million in profit. Wow. It was fucking huge. I mean, he was a household name. Yeah. Pretty uh, quickly. And I remember, I mean, I definitely watched that show. Like it was, there was one period I remember for a very long, for a, like period of a month or two, I was like obsessed with watching it. Cause here it was on at like 7 PM. It was mm. like later. This is not like maybe like 10 years ago. And I remember we're getting peanut (laughs) M&Ms. That was like my little ritual. I would get some candy and watch Dr. Phil. (laughs) Very trashy. With your cats. With my cats. (laughs) And I I don't know how long I did it, but there was like a part I was like, this show's good. I hadn't watched it in a while. I was like, it got different. Like, and it was trashy. Yeah. So...
0: Uh, Because it was like that, wasn't it? Because didn't it start out under the guise of like, we're a serious show trying to help people, but then it sort of like Jerry Springer-fied?
1: I think what happened is I kind of liked it when it got a little trashier than it initially started. Yeah, But then it was like a little too exploitive for me to watch even. So I liked it. There was like a sweet spot. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I think even when it got exploitive, there were shows that were still entertaining, That weren't like whatever, but yeah. Um, So, of course, (laughs) what charlatan is complete without a line of nutritional supplements? Why? Dr. Phil launched his version and they were called Shape Up with exclamation point. These also included meal replacement um, bars and shakes. I just, okay. I understand (laughs) capitalizing
0: on your fame, but like he's not known for being particularly He's not like a Jack LaLanne type where you're like, look at that bod. Right. Where their fitness is
1: like their life, like, I like exercise and fitness or whatever. I wouldn't buy a shake with his face on it. I think people liked his tell it like it is, you know, style in that arena. Cause it was another thing. Maybe they hadn't, I, I have no idea. So they thought like drink this shake asshole. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they thought it was going to work. I have no idea. Uh, so he, you know, started this shape up. I think he, he's kind of just the face of this. He didn't like develop any of this shit.
0: No, but it's still an odd. No,
1: it's, it's weird. Like him and the intersection of fitness and nutrition just seems odd to me. Very odd. Uh, and it could, it, maybe it's Oprah's influence. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. she definitely always had that sort of weight loss and journey. whatever journey happening throughout her career. Uh, so yeah, let's just say this endeavor does not go well and is possibly the first major misstep in his empire building. He, a lawsuit was filed against him by three disappointed consumers they claimed that he had defrauded fans with this diet supplement business that he had made false statements about these pills. He obviously denied the wrongdoing or uh, any of the allegations against uh levied against him. And they eventually reached a settlement of $10.5 million with Dr. Phil and whatever company he was doing this with. Now, with his success came the eventual criticism from actual practicing psychologists as well. They had issues with his methods, uh, especially the idea that um, if he yells at you, people are just going to be able to snap their fingers, be happy, rich and successful. And it's like, well, if we could do that, wouldn't we all be just kind of like, I'm changing, right? Like, it's obviously a little more work than that. The book quotes a a psychologist um, named Ellen McGrath. She, she described the Dr. Phil show as being sort of a psychological version of who wants to be a millionaire. She said, it's the quintessential cultural product, get some quick advice, change your life, and you too can hit the psychological jackpot. No one changes by themselves. You need to work through the problem, talk through your struggles with somebody, figure out why you do what you do, and only then can you consolidate that change by making it a habit. Uh, And that takes time. McGraw obviously denied any of these charges from other psychologists or therapists, and he's like, I'm I'm an educator. I think about myself as an alarm clock, and I'm giving these people like an emotional wake-up call. That's how he describes what he does. He said, let me tell you, I know a lot of big words. I can sit down here and tell you, I think you're a repressed problem due to a schizophrenic mood that puts you in a double bind. So you're developmentally arrested. Now, what are you going to do with that? So instead, I say, look, your mother was mean. Get over it. You got to give yourself (laughs) what you couldn't get from her. That's the same thing I just said earlier, but in a simpler language. Okay, but your shitty best friend could say that to you, too. Yeah. So obviously many therapists and psychologists were also peeved by the fact that Dr. Phil acted as if everyone but him practices uh, this long self-indulgent therapy. You might associate with someone like Woody Allen, where there's no end game. It's just somebody sitting on a couch talking about themselves. Uh, And it's You know, obviously, that's just not true, right? The majority of what therapy is, isn't at all as ineffective as we might see in TV and movies, when they're kind of doing a comedic bit about someone in therapy. And so they think it's like, he's intentionally not acknowledging this fact to make himself seem superior to every other psychologist and therapist who is doing the hard work for people. Um, but some did credit him with sort of normalizing the idea of therapy as just being a part of a normal life. So that's a positive uh, little back path they gave him. But the show, really did just come off a lot of times as him slamming people in these short segments and not actually providing them with any long-term follow-up care, even though sometimes they'd say that that would happen. You never really got updates on people uh, per se. Like he wouldn't tell them you need to be going to therapy once a week. Yeah. Or like sometimes they would send people maybe to rehab or whatever, but you would never on the show be like, and here's what's happening with Carol, who we met last year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it almost seemed like people just got used and then thrown away mm. once they were finished. Some doctors bring up the fact that um, Dr. Phil didn't have to follow the guidelines set in place by the American Psychologist Association. And as we mentioned on the last show, he had let his license lapse and he didn't really need it to do what he was doing. Because he's entertainment. Yeah. And he, because of this, he didn't have to have responsibility for people's long-term care as if he was treating them like a patient, right. They weren't his patients. He didn't have patients. So all these people are just guests on his show. He had zero ethical obligation to them. I mean, you can obviously argue that, but like within his field, he had no obligation.
0: Honestly, he just seems like here, you want a guy who's
1: like really blunt. Yeah, <laughs> it could be anybody. It could be anyone. I mean, he happened to have this degree in psychology But it's just like it there really isn't anything he's saying you couldn't say to somebody. You know what I mean? Like we all have our moments where we're like we we can see someone's problem and tell them like it is. Yeah, for sure. So according to Phil, um, the show never let deeply troubled people on and the guests are always informed with regard to what they can expect from the show, like as far as what they provide I would, I would debate, (laughs) I think it's debatable whether they never had deeply troubled people on the show, Uh, but whatever. He is practicing psychology without a license now, uh, claims a lot of the um, people, you know, in the, in the field. And they said it's more theater than therapy. He concedes that there is an entertainment aspect to the show, but maintains that it is still a service. Um, And he claims that he has never regretted advice he has given only things he hasn't said.
0: Now, well, I guess you're just perfect. <laughs> I know. Dr. Phil.
1: I mean, it's almost like he has to believe his own shit to exist. Yeah. Cuz he can't function probably. He'll crumble, yeah. right? Uh, he is really like a huge celebrity by this point. Uh, he's on David Letterman, he's on the cover of People magazine and and if, you know, that doesn't convince you. He's actually a tabloid fixture now. So, you know, he's famous. Yeah. He's also the type of person tabloids love to, to bring down. Right. Right. Because he's like a goody two shoes. <laughs> like know it all. So numerous Dr. Phil expose stories start leaking. We get stories from Thelma Box. We remember her from last episode, the one he kind of stole all of this shit from. Right. Uh, who he worked with. Uh, he was being sued for various unpaid bills. Um, the woman I mentioned in the last episode, the patient, uh, he kind of, sexu- you know, she claims sexually assaulted her or groped her and harassed her. She sues him in 2003. Um, the vultures are just the vultures by vultures. I mean, the tabloids, not the people accusing him of things are just waiting to take him down. Uh, and they they have ample uh, reasons to. He's happy, though, because he buys an $8 million Beverly Hills mansion. He gets a $200,000 Ferrari. All of it seems like a small um, price to pay in order to be, like, insanely rich. Do you remember, like, a few years ago where we saw inside his house? No. Oh, my God. We got to – maybe we'll do, like, a a little slideshow story or something. Was it ugly? Oh, it's ugly as hell. Like, it's Ugh. beyond what you would ever imagine. It's incredible. Ugh. Um, and I and to see it. It's so hideous. You're not gonna believe it. Uh, and then there's also, like, this one room that's literally covered with guns. <laughs> it's just, like... But it's the most tacky thing ever. The whole house is hideous. You're gonna love it. Yeah. Uh. So you know, this good old boy is now a Hollywood insider and that's probably best illustrated because he appears on an episode of Frasier as himself. This Frasier was still on. Yeah. In the two thousands. I never watched. I didn't watch it either, but I mean, obviously according to this story, (laughs) (laughs) according to my reporting. (laughs) Yes. I just didn't know when I I honestly have no idea when that show was on. It must've went into the two thousands, right? That show, I just remember that show being on when I was a kid,
0: and I guess, yeah, I guess that makes sense, and like early high school, and thinking, that is a show for people in their 30s. I will never watch for sure. It's very... But then but, it had this weird resurgence, like yeah. in the past 10 years. No,
1: I never... I definitely have seen Frasier, but I've never watched Frasier when that reboot or like when people started loving it again. Yeah. Like it's like all these people in their 20s, like young people are like, Frasier is my favorite show. Like
0: friends of ours. Yeah. Remember? I'm just, like, I'm just
1: kind of like, what? When did that, that happen? That show is not, uh, no, I mean, I'm sure it's fine. Look, I'm just not going to watch Frasier. I bet there's a lot of Frasier heads listening. Well then be very excited. Cause Dr. Phil was on it. There's your little <laughs> connection. <laughs> The title of the episode is the devil and Dr. Phil. He plays like he plays himself, but it's an old rival of Frasier's from back in the day because they're both whatever a therapist, uh, etc. Is Frasier a therapist? I guess. Yeah, because he has like a talk show. Anyway, uh, Phil (laughs) was obviously a huge fan of the show and wanted to be on the show. And it worked out for him. Um, But while the show might have eventually started off with a more, the Dr. Phil show, not Frasier, started off with a more noble combo of self-help and entertainment, eventually it does become incredibly exploitive, which is uh, illustrated in several of its most infamous episodes. We'll get into those after the break.
2: Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim?
1: Now, one of the first lawsuits filed against the Dr. Phil show was filed by Deepak Kalpo and his brother Satish Kalpo. These are the brothers who were famous for being with Natalie Holloway the night she disappeared in Aruba. The other man they were hanging out with, Joran Vandersloot, was later convicted of murdering a woman named Stephanie Ramirez, and he becomes the main suspect in Holloway's murder. The Kalpo brothers claim that their interview with Dr. Phil was manipulated before it aired, And that manipulation defamed them and made them seem like they were the prime suspects in this case. Wow. The lawsuit is finally dismissed in 2015. That same year, Dr. Phil invited the creator of an exploitive video series called Bum Fights on his show. (gasps) Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. This is a viral clip. Yes. Because. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. You'll talk about it. So. Dr. Phil invited this guy, like this guy, I'm not defending him at all, but Dr. Phil was definitely doing a little stunt here, inviting this guy on to rake him over the coals, basically about how exploitive bum fights is. And it, and it is. Yes. Um, but uh, the guy shows up on the show dressed as Dr. Phil, like bald head and mustache and all. And he's, he, he gets on the show and he's like, I'm doing the same thing that you do. But you do it on a national level. And <laughs> Dr. Phil gets furious and kicks him off the show. yeah, and it turns into, like you said, this huge viral uh, clip in two thousand and seven, Phil creates the show, The Doctors. This is executive produced by Jay McGraw, his son. And this is kind of like um a medical advice. Type show. They oh, offer advice, yeah. and they also will just talk about medical news, etc. It's hosted by a variety of medical professionals. One of them is a doctor who I think was a contestant on The Bachelor, really, or maybe a Bachelor. He's legitimately a doctor, but it was like <laughs> funny. Um, it's not obviously the most, the best way to get medical advice through a TV show, um, but not only was the medical advice a lot of times unhelpful. Sometimes it was actually dangerous. A 2014 study of the show concluded that the advice given on the show was founded in actual medical fact, only 63% of the time, 14% of the advice went against medical fact and 24% of the time they couldn't find a connection between what was being said on the show and medical science at all. So they were just like fucking bullshitting <laughs> a lot of times. <laughs> it was just vibes. Right. One thing I completely forgot about was that Dr. Phil is a part of the Britney Spears conservatorship story. Oh, yeah. My uh, source for this was a Nikki Swift blog post written by Natalie Morris, as well as Dr. Phil's release statement that came out around the time this happened. In January of 2008, Britney Spears refused to give custody of her sons to Federline, uh, Kevin Federline, during like a a custody, like or whatever, when they have the custody hearing, not a custody hearing. You give them for the weekend. Oh, right. A visitation. Visitation. Thank you. Um, So police arrived at her house um, because... The, the representatives of Kevin Federline call the police. And she appears, according to them, to be under the influence of an unidentified substance. Now, the following day, the visitation rights with Spears are suspended at an emergency court hearing, so she's no longer allowed to see her kids. And Kevin Federline is given sole physical and legal custody of their sons. She has like a nervous breakdown at this point, and she gets committed to a psychiatric ward At um, Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center and is put on a 5150 involuntary psychiatric hold uh, under California state law. This court would later um, be the place where she was put under a conservatorship led by her father, Jamie, and an attorney that gave them complete control of her assets. Now, while she's hospitalized, Dr. Phil, Phil attempts to visit visit Brittany in the hospital. He claims at the request of her mother, Lynn. He's friends with Lynn Spears, him and his wife, Robin, or they were. He would later say he was already planning to do a show about Brittany's situation. He had talked about it on a, another episode of his show, like what was going on with her um, before she was hospitalized this time, and that Lynn was going to be a guest on this future show. Now after visiting Brittany at the hospital, he releases a statement to the press. He says my meeting with Brittany and some of her family members this morning in her room at Cedars, leaves me convinced more than ever that she is in dire need of both medical and psychological intervention. I'm very concerned for her. Jesus. Now the backlash is almost immediate. Like, And like, not that I have to remind you, but he's not treating her. right. He's just there as a friend of the family and he doesn't have a medical license. This
0: is so gross. Now,
1: he finds himself very quickly on the playing defense because people found it incredibly exploitive and they were like, he's just doing this for ratings, et cetera. He then releases a really long statement telling his side of the story and noting that the planned show had been canceled. In that statement, he says he went to see Britney on the pretense of hoping to start a very gentle and relaxed dialogue with the uh, with the singing star. He. Hope that it might, quote, might prove useful in the future should she ever become open and motivated to the right kind of treatment from the right healthcare professionals. He's just like a paparazzo. Yeah. He said the show that he was planning would have been, quote, an intelligent discussion about the challenges that mothers face in trying to guide and influence an adult child once they're of age. Um, He, of course, said he had no regrets about the visit, but he did have second thoughts about releasing that initial statement um, about his personal chat with Brittany. He said, if I had to do it over again, I probably wouldn't have said a word. I would make a statement to uh, I wouldn't make a statement to anybody about anything. Now, the Spears family felt very betrayed uh, by this whole incident. Um, He. He, they felt like he didn't have anyone's best interest at heart other than himself. And they were very upset about this public statement about Bit- Brittany that he uh, made when he left the hospital. They said, what's wrong with Dr. Phil- Phil's statement is that he made a statement. Now, he claims that he did it because people saw him and he had to say something. Everyone knew Brittany was there, et cetera. But you never have to say anything. <laughs> That's yeah. just not true. Um, Since this incident, he hasn't spoken about the family or seen them, uh, but he did address the Free Britney movement in a chat with Andy Cohen for Radio Andy. He did? Yeah. He said, you don't hold people in America against their will. So he was Free Britney, I guess. Well, that's one point in his column. (laughs) That's one point. Um, Another disturbing incident happened in 2013, and this involved Survivor winner Todd Herzog. This is from an investigative piece put out by Stat and the Boston Globe investigation. It's called Dr. Phil says he rescues people from addiction. Others say he he his show puts guest health at risk. It's written by David Armstrong and Evan Allen. In 2013, Todd Herzog, who was the winner of the 15th season of Survivor, appeared on the Dr. Show, uh, Phil show while he was struggling with alcohol addiction. Earlier that year, camera crews arrived unannounced at his apartment in Utah and filmed his intervention. The footage would later air on this Dr. Phil show, and it would show Todd sort of out of it, barefoot on his couch, surrounded by his family and an intervention team that the show sent. And he's just very confused, asking people what's going on. Can someone tell him what's going on? He eventually agrees to go on the show and attempt to get his life in order. He arrives on the show uh, completely sober, something that is, has been corroborated by his parents. And in his dressing room, he finds a full bottle of, of vodka waiting for him. <gasps> when filming starts, Todd had to be carried on to set. He drank the whole bod- uh, bottle of vodka in the waiting, um, the guest room or the green room. On, once he's on stage during the, the filming, he says, today I had an entire bottle, like a liter of vodka Dr. Phil breathalizes him in front of the studio audience, and he blows a .263, which is more than three times the legal limit. Uh, he, Dr. Phil says on the show, I've never talked to a guest who was closer to death. Now, everyone's shocked to see this barely functioning young man on stage. Um, and later we find out that not only had he had this vodka left in his uh, his area, his green room. Um, someone had also handed him a Xanax from the show, telling him it would calm his nerves. Someone on the show gave him a Xanax. That is so fucked. And that's actually like a dangerous combination. Yeah. Like, it's very dangerous. So he's really inebriated. And he said the show basically set him up. They wanted him to come out, out on stage looking completely fucked up.
0: So someone from the show planted this vodka in his dressing room. Yeah that
1: is so like they put it there
0: that's so fucked well first up. of
1: all you would never put a bottle of vodka in anyone's dressing room like it's not a typical craft service that someone would have in their room unless they like requested it probably like right it's usually like a fruit plate waters yeah like it's not you're not especially if you're on a show with addicts yeah right like yeah it seems like a pretty big no-brainer um, he would later say in an interview, you know, I get that it's a television show and they want to show the pain that I'm in. However, what would have happened if I died from yeah. this? That's horrifying. Now, he does say the show gave him opportunities to enter treatment, and he's thankful for that. And he says he was recently uh, at the time of this article was contacted by a show producer and asked to write a letter thanking Dr. McGraw for his help, which he did.
0: <laughs> Isn't that Ugh, sick? It is
1: so sick. So the lack of care or understanding of dealing with addicts went beyond just this treatment of Todd. Many guests who came to the show seeking opportunities to receive possible rehab treatment were often thrown into hellacious ordeals. Some were put into hotel rooms 48 hours before their appearance, which would put them in a very dangerous detox situation and even led to some of them to procure drugs any way they could while waiting to get on the show. When a family member reached out for help, a show employee instructed them to go to Skid Row to purchase heroin. Another guest who was pregnant was filmed by the show, a show staffer searching for a dealer on Skid Row as well. Um, A doctor named Jeff Sugar, who is um, an assistant professor of clinical psychiatry at University of Southern California, he said it's callous and inexcusable exploitation. These people are barely hanging on. It's like if one of them was drowning and approaching a lifeboat and instead of throwing them an inflatable donut, you throw them an anchor. But Dr. Phil's show staff sees it differently, saying they can't legally detain guests in any way in their hotel or stop them from um, buying anything illegal. One of the psychiatrists on the show, Dr. Greenberg, I guess he does something there. I don't know what. He says addicts are notorious for lying, deflecting, and trivializing. But if they're at risk when they arrive, then they are at risk before they arrived. The only change is they are one step closer to getting help, typically help they could not have even come close to affording which is pretty fucked up. Um, But even that healthcare that they're sort of providing for people, the rehab is sort of unethical. A lot of the rehab centers that buy Dr. Phil's path to recover recovery. They're the ones who kind of get the promotion on the Dr. Phil show. Cause it's, so it's kind of like a pay for play almost. Uh, Yeah. And
0: what, what background
1: in addiction does he even have? He has no backgrounds in anything, (laughs) almost. um, And he often, sometimes he even has financial stakes in these rehabs. Um, So I mentioned before there was a pregnant woman who was trying to get heroin. Uh, Her name is Kaylin. Uh, She was taken to to Skid Row to buy heroin by a staffer. Um, Her mom was with her and she was basically like, terrified that her daughter and the baby might die if she didn't get heroin because she was in such bad detox that she was like barely hanging on. She refused to go to the hospital. So a staffer joined them in a cab and took them to Skid Row. The staffer shot video of her trying to buy heroin on Skid Row and they would air it on the show. Um, That's so fucked. The mom is on the camera saying that she was scared to death right now. Like she's scared they're on Skid Row. It's like kind of sketch obviously henceforth the name and they're trying to buy heroin uh it's just a bad situation the camera follows um caitlin caitlin sorry from behind as she walks toward this encampment and she stays in the encampment for over an hour shooting heroin before returning and all of this is filmed and put on the show um so this is also just an incredibly dangerous situation. And there's ways of dealing with addicts that you were trying to get sober. You put them in a place to detox. Yes. <laughs> like there's a way to do it. A medical and You detox. don't just stick them in a hotel without access to heroin. And then just because it. it's incredibly dangerous for people to go cold turkey like that. Like if you're going to help them, it has to be complete help them. Yeah. So obviously this can be very deadly, Uh, Her doing heroin after not doing it for a few days is also incredibly dangerous um, because you don't know what you're getting in that situation. And she's, you know, well, you're going to do whatever dose you last did. Yeah. So it's just not a great thing. Um, Of course, the Dr. Phil show, you know, we're like, well, she's with her mom. You know, we can't be responsible um, and they said their main motivation was getting Caitlyn's unborn child out of danger, not Caitlyn. It's like what well, she's in the bo- mom's body. So you got to protect the mom's body as well. Yeah. Even if you see it that way, this, the staffer who filmed this trip um, said that she was simply documenting the natural, natural behavior she observed, which would have occur- occurred whether she was there or not. But so they filmed it. Yeah. So today, um, well, when this article was written, Caitlin is now homeless and in ho- she was recently admitted to the hospital for liver failure. So she oh. was completely abandoned after this whole horrific, uh, episode of Dr. Phil, um, where she was really exploited and not helped at all. That's like, so uh, sad. yeah, this is just a one-off. I saw this list. I think it was on what, what's that list site? I can't remember. I'm sorry. But it's a tweet from Dr. Phil that he made in 2014. He does eventually delete it. But the tweet is, if a girl is drunk, is it okay to have sex with her? Reply yes or no to Dr. Phil. Are you serious? (laughs) Yes, I'm serious. He tweeted that? Yes, or his show. Like, (laughs) Isn't that crazy? (laughs) And then the hashtag teens accused. It's just like, (laughs) I don't even want to know. Uh, in 2016, a woman who worked on the Dr. Phil show named Leah Rothman said Dr. Phil imprisoned his staff in a room when he was angry over how he was portrayed in the media. She filed a lawsuit in which she said Dr. Phil often embarrassed guests on his shows in their darkest hour, leaving the staff to pick up the pieces of broken people who had put their trust in Dr. Phil. She said that um, at least one guest attempted suicide after appearing on the show, and this is a case... Eventually goes nowhere uh, through a lot of, you know, she had videotape. Was it admissible? It was like a lot of back and forth. Of course, Dr. Phil says that she is just a disgruntled employee. But in 2022, BuzzFeed spoke to a dozen former Dr. Phil employees who all experienced a miserable work environment on the show. Um, they said they were encouraged to inflate on screen racist stereotypes. Um, and then they had one guest um, they wanted to make sure was not properly medicated before her appearance so she would be more unstable. So, uh, yeah. In 2016, Dr. Phil was once again engaged with a celebrity with a severe mental health issue in a gross and exploitative way. This was his infamous interview with actress Shelly Duvall. Now at this point, Shelley Duval had all but disappeared from Hollywood life. She had moved to Texas and was basically unheard of. Like people didn't know what was up with her, right? Uh, and Dr. Phil came a call in. Like that's he found her, or or maybe her mom contacted him or something. A producer eventually calls Shelley Duval, uh, and she agrees to be interviewed by Dr. Phil uh, in the hopes that she would get help with some of her mental health issues. Um, a variety article by Seth Kelly and Cynthia Littleton recaps the episode. This is, um, basically the episode is a conversation between Phil and Shelley Duvall. It's like the first 45 minutes of the show is just kind of this interview and the rest of the episode follows Shelley as she's escorted to creative care, mental health treatment center in Malibu. And she supposedly stayed there for three days, but refused traditional medication, according to the show. During the interview, um, he bas- it's basically a very typical interview. He asks, asks her about where she lives, what makes her happy, would she like to ever act again? He asked what her favorite movie of hers was, and she said Popeye. She said it was a lot of fun. And this is a segment that pro- probably gets the most amount of attention um, when people think about this episode. In that interview, she stated that she believed Robin Williams, her co-star in Popeye, was not dead and had become a shapeshifter. She also said she believes someone is trying to attack her and just started rambling on at some point in this interview that he just kept rolling. Like, uh, she's clearly not well. The conversation is also intercut with clips of her in films and interviews from way back in the day in order to illustrate how much she's declined, but it's definitely done in like a cruel and kind of exploitive way. Um, he says that she was avoiding things during this interview and, uh, was in and out of contact with reality. Um, so
0: he's still using his same method of telling it, yeah, like it is. Yeah. When she,
1: <laughs> are so, you kidding me? It's such a weird, I've never watched it cause it just looked bad to me, even though I've always, I've been very curious about her my whole life and I like her a lot. It just seemed wrong yeah. from the get go. Um, so he said that Duval's mother and boyfriend, um, sort of were the ones who brought her in Uh, at the episode's conclusion. He said that the show um, would keep you updated on her progress and that he hopes there will eventually be a happy ending to the story. Now, criticism was immediate uh, after this episode dropped. Is he helping Shelly or is he exploiting her? Right. As I mentioned, I think last week it was like sweep, sweep week when this episode aired, when people usually put their um, biggest number shows, like the ones they think will get a big, um, audience. Um, one of the biggest critics after this episode aired was Vivian Kubrick, the daughter of Stanley Kubrick, who directed um, one of Shelley's biggest films, The Shining. And she really slams Dr. Phil on Twitter. Uh, she called the show purely a form of lurid and exploitive entertainment. She called it appallingly cruel. And she actually launched a GoFundMe campaign, an effort to like get Shelley um, real help as far as going, getting more independent and getting back whatever health she could. Um, there's an excellent Hollywood reporter interview with Shelly by Seth Abr- Abramovich. Uh, and in this interview, obviously, we this is like what you want to hear. You want to know about Shelly. This is the article to read. In it, she does talk about this incident with Dr. Phil. He says that she grew visibly distressed at the mention of Dr. Phil's name. And she said, quote, I found out the kind of person he is the hard way. My mother didn't like him either. A lot of people like Dan, who was her partner, said you shouldn't have done that, Shelly. After the broadcast, when the backlash happened, he made a lot of attempts to contact Shelly. She said he started calling my mother. She told him, don't call my daughter anymore. But he started calling my mother all the time, trying to get her to let me talk to him again. According to a spokesperson for Dr. Phil, They said, we view every Dr. Phil episode, including Miss Duvall and her struggle with mental illness as an opportunity to share relatable, useful information and perspective with our audience. We don't attach the stigma associated with mental illness, which many do with no one else offering help. Our goal was to document the struggle and bring resources to her to help her change the trajectory of her life. Unfortunately, she declined our offer for inpatient treatment that would have included a full physical and mental evaluation and gave her a chance to privately manage her challenge challenges we of course are very disappointed but those offers help of help remain open today so just a very bizarre the weird thing about it is that's not even what he does like right. he doesn't have famous people on in this, like, Barbara Walter style interview. No. Like, Oprah might do something like that. Right, in a, right. Obviously, not in the same way, but in a better way. Right. But it's like weird that he even ventured into this sort of arena. Right. Uh, anyway, so now, probably the most inf- infamous Dr. Phil episode ever involves a teen girl. In fact, this becomes a thing for Dr. Phil the last decade or so of the show's run. Teenage Girls Out of Control was like a huge thing. Yeah, he's in his Maury era. Yeah, so there were shows like Young Privileged and In a Deadly Gang. Teen Explains Molesting Her Sister Twice, like stuff like this. Phil seems to revel in being extra aggressive with these young women or young girls uh, who are showing? Who are shown at their most vulnerable moments? Always ending with Doctor Phil and the parents deciding to send them to some troubled teen treatment facility. We never see them again, and then they are rarely ever updated as far as their stories go. So it's like this is a common, tr- like storyline of his at yeah. this point. And no one personified this type of Dr. Phil show and was more out of control than 13 year old Daniela, I'm sorry, Daniela Brigoli. She was interviewed in an episode called I Want to Give Up My Car Stealing, Knife Wielding, Twerking 13 Year Old Daughter Who Tried to Frame Me For a Crime in 2016. My source for this story is from BuzzFeed, Dr. Do Nothing by Sachi Cool. So if you don't know Danielle by name, you probably know her by meme. She was the cash me outside. How about that girl? (laughs) (laughs) I have it written phonetically. (laughs) Uh, She appeared on the show with her mom, Barbara Ann, who Danielle accused of abuse. So this is a mess of a show. This family is definitely having issues. And like many other teenagers on Dr. Phil, Bergoli goes on the show and then is referred to a place called Turnabout Ranch, which is a therapeutic boarding school in Utah for troubled teens. This is a working ranch, which Phil loves to talk to, like tell his audience, like this is a last last ditch option for your kids. This is no uh, fancy boarding school. They're going to be working. Um, And she goes to this thing. She gives an update from a top of horse. Um, She no longer has the accent that she was using on the show. She's much calmer. And she just says, "I just feel okay with who I am now. I don't have to put on a front to impress anyone." I mean, a big issue on the show was people are like, "She's she's got to pretend she's tough, right?" Right. right. So, uh, and now she's just able to be a, a young girl and not be so tough and uh, all that. But we would later find out, obviously, that things are not so great at Turnabout Ranch. In 2018, she releases a song called "Bad Baby Story" outro. That's her rapper name, Bad, Bad Baby. Bad Baby. And she talks about the experience uh, in real terms now. Now she's not on her horse, maybe pretending, I guess. She says in the song, it was pretty miserable. I did not know what was going on in the real world. The place was far from anything. There wasn't even service there. A couple weeks after being home, I finally decided I wanted to meet up with my best friend again, somebody who was not good for me at all. Instantly, I'd say it was the next day. We got back to doing our old shit again, smoking, trying to finesse people for money, just doing really, really dumb shit again. So she basically is like the second I got out, I was back to whatever I was doing. Uh, And she joined many others, including Paris Hilton, in exposing this troubled teen industry that basically tortures teens and abuses them for profit. She's spoken um, publicly about her abuse at the ranch, claiming that um, the administrators there restricted food. They wouldn't let them change their clothes for days. Um, She said, you're helpless. You can't call your parent. You can't email your parent. If the state says that they have to give you two pebbles, they're going to find the smallest fucking pebbles to give you. That's supposed to help kids get over trauma. I would have rather went to jail. Wow. Now, this Turnabout Ranch is owned by Aspen Education Group, and they they operate a large amount of troubled teen residential programs, diet camps, boarding schools, and other pseudo-therapeutic programs. And they're routinely sued for negligence. It's not just bad baby. In 2009, a 16-year-old boy died of heat stroke after <gasps> being forced to do um, an, a hike in an 80-degree heat with 80-pound backpack. When he became ill, the staff was like, you're faking it. And this is a common thing. Another kid died on a hike, who they also acclu- uh, accused of faking it. Oh my god! Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is a these are well known things. These kind of incidents happen there long before Danielle went to them, and Dr. Phil continues sending children there uh, from his show, like that he tr- like treats or whatever has on his show. As I mentioned at the top of part one on January thirty first. Uh, of this year Phil announced that the show would be ending and while people were certainly sad and fans of his show like there are a lot of people who obviously still like the show a lot of people were celebrating um, including the experts and critics who spoke with the Daily Beast in a story by Helen Holmes um, that was called the end of McGraw's show is long overdue An activist named Ryan Hampton said the legacy of Dr. Phil is a cautionary tale. It wasn't just his attitude and his approach, which was everything we're told not to do. He never really approached a situation with compassion. What really irked me was the exploitation of these stories and the exploitation of people who were in crisis state to peddle sponsors products. It was well known that if you want to up your admission rates at your treatment facility in Malibu or sell your virtual reality treatment program that's rooted in zero science, then you just need to do a sponsorship with the Dr. Phil show. For my community, it's good riddance. Damn. And that's the end. Wow. Wow. There's so many more stories, but I obviously just tried to focus on some of the bigger ones. But there's a lot of information if you search. Right.
0: Well, I can't wait to look at pictures of Dr. Phil's ugly house. It's hideous. Can't wait. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to do our after show and we will see you on
2: Monday, Tuesday for the mini episode. Bye. Bye.